Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. There's a dramatic situation unfolding in Israel after laws that have led to protests and debate for months have actually passed Parliament, Antoinette. Yeah, Tom, it's it's been described as the worst threat to Israel since 1948, and that's when the country was formed. Army reservists are on strike, Israeli doctors have declared a strike, and protesters say they're not giving up. So Israel's ultra-right and ultra-religious government has taken the first step in weakening the power of Israeli Supreme Courts. So essentially they've taken away their ability to challenge government action that it finds unfair or unreasonable. And later in the show, I speak with an Israeli international law expert. If uh, the events of the last 24 hours tells us anything, is that they are going to escalate. People, mainly the younger generation, has lost hope and lost their faith in their uh, political system. Uh, they feel as if they are being oppressed by their own government and they are taking their rage and their frustration to the street. Yeah, it's a very tense and interesting situation there in Israel. It would be great in this episode to really understand what's driving it. Um, that's coming up in just a moment. First, here are today's big headlines. It is Wednesday, the 26th of July. Well, yesterday we brought you the news about the big mining court case in WA where Gina Reinhart could be made to share billions of royalties with her late father's former business partner and her two eldest children. Well, now a letter to Reinhardt from her father from way back in 1986 has been produced in court, revealing that key mining tenements in the Pilbara, which are now at the centre of the dispute, were held jointly by the partnership between the two families, and that's the Hancocks and the Wrights. And the lawyer for the Wright family argued this is evidence that Gina Reinhardt had known, at least since 1986, that these assets, they were jointly owned. Yeah, this is a really dramatic day of evidence, and this court case is going to go until November. So I think there's going to be some very interesting evidence and days in court. Um, And obviously, as you mentioned... um, this could completely change Australia's rich list. The Prime Minister has slammed a question by a journalist asking him to guarantee that there won't be another black summer in Australia this year. So Anthony Albanese has been on the south coast of New South Wales in Ulladulla, where a local ABC reporter said people there are triggered by the, quote, horrific scenes in Europe, referencing the heat waves and bushfires there. Well, I think the community are sensible enough to know that that is a question, uh, quite frankly, that, that you're asking me to defy science. No politician who's serious can stand and say that they can guarantee that there will never be a natural disaster. Ah, oh, look, Tom, to be honest, like I was having a similar convo with a stranger making small talk at the park yesterday afternoon um, and we were saying how this is so lovely and warm and sunny for winter and he said something to the effect of like, I'm terrified about what sort of summer this will bring and I totally get the sentiment of the question asked by the reporter. Perhaps Mm. using the word asking for a guarantee may have been the wrong choice of word because we can't ever fully guarantee or predict wild weather conditions. But it's absolutely fair, I reckon, to ask how prepared is our government to respond if this does happen? Yeah, I think it was a really interesting question as well, particularly the observation that local people are triggered by what they're seeing overseas. There's been Mm. Horrific wildfires in Canada. We've seen tourists being evacuated in Greece and incredibly hot conditions um, right across Europe. So, 
Yeah, I think a lot of people are thinking this, um, wondering, you know, if we've done enough to prepare for an El Nino summer, which is being predicted. You know, we've had Mm. um, two very wet summers and a lot of distractions with the pandemic. And you've got to ask the question, have we learned all the lessons and made all the preparations since Black Summer to put ourselves in the best situation? A new report has found the number of borrowers at risk of mortgage stress is at its highest level since 2008, which was just before the global financial crisis. And no, mortgage stress is not just a person declaring, I've got a mortgage, I'm stressed. Um, It's generally defined as when a household is spending 30% or more of its income on mortgage repayments. And the level of mortgage arrears is increasing. Um, More than 1.4 million borrowers are considered at risk of mortgage stress. That's according to research by Roy Morgan. And this is considered the highest level since just before the 2008 GFC. And that actually at the time led to the RBA to slash the cash rate from 7.25% to 3% in the space of about half a year. Yeah, this is a pretty important report. It's a lot of people under mortgage stress, 1.4 million borrowers, and there still could be more rate rises and there's still hundreds of thousands of people coming off the mortgage cliff, coming off their their fixed rates. So you got to really keep a close eye on this because if this gets out of control and a lot of people start selling their houses, the market gets smashed, um, more people are hurting, this could really devastate the economy. And this is the tricky fine balance that the RBA is having to make as they they make their rate decisions. Um, we're going to get the quarterly inflation figure later today, which will be a really, a really key number in deciding whether there's another interest rate increase on the 1st of August next week when the Reserve Bank meet again. A pot of at least 84 whales have been beached in southern WA overnight. So authorities launched an emergency response to save the whales, which are pilot whales, and they began beaching just after 4pm. So the whales had been massing about 100 metres offshore throughout the day, so that actually gave WA Parks and Wildlife Service officers time to prepare for the beaching. Um, This has also led to a shark warning and also a message to well-meaning volunteers who want to help out to uh, please stay off the beach. Yeah, well, it also comes with a a shark warning because, you know, they're likely to gather around these whales in distress. Mm. So it's a crazy situation there. This dramatic rescue taking place, potentially more sharks in the area. And I think a lot of people find it very emotional seeing um, these beautiful creatures, these, these whales in distress when they get beached. Thanks, Tom. We'll catch you later. I'm about to unpack exactly what's happening in Israel. It's being described by critics as a dark day for Israeli democracy. So after seven months of fierce debate, mass protests across the country, and even thousands of military reservists threatening not to report for duty, the Israeli government has passed a law which will essentially make them less accountable before the courts. And this is just the first of a whole heap of controversial laws that Israel's ultra-right and ultra-religious government has on its agenda. But the Israeli government's power grab is by no means over, and it's going to have real impacts, not only on the country, but the Middle East, and even risks straining relationships with its allies in the West. 
Dr Noam Peleg was born in Israel. He's a senior lecturer at the Faculty of Law at UNSW and he specialises in human rights law. Dr Noam Peleg, thanks so much for your time. So is this new law a dangerous slippery slope, not just for Israel, but for the whole region? Thank you for having me. I would say it's a symbolic change and a materialistic change at the same time. Essentially what Parliament has done is limiting the court's ability to scrutinise governmental decisions and removing from the textbook a grant for administrative review that exists in Australia, in the UK, in any other common law system. It essentially gives government uh, and other members of of the executive branch a carte blanche to act in a way that otherwise be subject to external scrutiny. So protesters have taken to the streets for months now and it's unlikely to stop, if anything, it may increase with this move. Can you talk through exactly what these Israelis are worried about? The message is quite clear. This one piece of legislation, which is first of many, as the government explicitly uh, says time and again in an attempt to uh, crack on the judiciary's power, is for them a crackdown on Israeli liberal democracy. Uh, and they are concerned that it will give a government, any government, especially this one composed of right-wing extremists, to go and go on the wild and to crack down on democratic rights to vote. Uh, first and mm-hmm. foremost, but also we meet their personal spaces. We crack down on women's rights, uh, on LGBTQ uh, rights. And one group of population who is not demonstrating and whose rights are not the uh, front and center of the demonstrators' concerns are obviously the Palestinians, those who are citizens mm-hmm. of Israel and those who live in the West Bank and in Gaza Strip. Yes, so surely Palestinians, many are uncomfortable or I dare say even less comfortable than their usual state of instability. How do you think this will impact Palestinians? Well, they've been living under occupation since '48, and those are living uh, or citizens of Israel are subject to countless discriminatory laws. So the judiciary wasn't their savior to begin with. Uh, mm. So in that sense, those changes pretty much speak to the Jewish crowd, and the Palestinians are, are bystanders. They've been subject to this uh, level of inscrutiny and uh, court compliance with uh, uh, the government uh, for many years, and, and violations of their rights uh, were never struck down, or rarely were struck down. Let's be more precise by the court, and the court is legalized and approved many uh, human rights violations and war crimes, uh, if you take international law standpoint, that were conducted and are conducted on daily basis uh, at the West Bank and on Gaza Strip. Uh, many human rights organizations, human rights watch and other UN special repertoires, have called Israeli regime in the West Bank an apartheid regime, which is an international crime. Uh, the court is complicit in legalizing uh, and approving uh, the various measures and laws that enable this apartheid regime to take place. So from a Palestinian standpoint, this is very much an internal Jewish issue. I'm interested in what happens next, because various groups have already committed to appealing the decision. Like, what are their chances? Some legal challenges to these laws were launched with the Supreme Court uh, right after the parliament has adopted this law. But the chances of the court uh, overruling the, uh, this legislation are quite slim. One of the main reasons is that this piece of legislation is an amendment to the basic law. Uh, so using Australian terms, it's an amendment to the constitution. Uh, mm. So the High Court or the Supreme Court is very unlikely uh, to declare this constitutional change to be unconstitutional. The, the theoretical pathway exists, but the court uh, is unlikely uh, to take that step, uh, especially not in the current political climate. Uh, the court has still hasn't decided whether it, it's going to hear this case or not. Uh, and there are some NGOs who report that they're going to launch uh, similar claims against the validity of this uh, amendment. Uh, so it's yet to be seen whether the court A will hear this case, and surely uh, we can speculate about the outcome. But it's very unlikely that it will use what it can sometimes describe in the literature as a nuclear weapon, 
when the court uh, declared the constitutional uh, amendment to be unconstitutional. Right, and if, if that was to happen, that would the country would have a constitutional crisis, right, because then the government could respond by not listening. Exactly. Uh, and that's the fear of, of some members of, of parliament uh, from the opposition. And there are some suggestions in the Israeli press that this is exactly where the government is heading to. And they instigated this amendment in an attempt to uh, to generate this constitutional crisis, which will then enable them to move forward with the rest of their, uh, uh, what's so-called the judicial reform uh, in a much more quicker way. And let's talk about some of these other reforms, because this is the first of many. If they continue in this current direction, what does this mean for democracy in Israel? For the democracy in its current stage, and again, democracy for some citizens and less of less of democracy for other citizens and other mm-hmm. who live under the control of Israel government, again, the Palestinians in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, uh, it means that the government is, is planning to change the ways uh, that the judges are being uh, selected. The selection process is now governed by a committee uh, with the government, but also the parliament, members of, members of the bar and members of the judiciary have some uh, uh, votes in it. And the, the government's plan is to replace that committee with a committee governed by politicians only. Uh, and the fear there is like something that we saw similarly happens during the Trump years, that mm-hmm. the courts are being filled with uh, government supporters uh, and people are being selected based on their uh, political viewpoints rather than on their legal skills. There is also a plan to fire the attorney general and essentially to bring Netanyahu's uh, trial into a halt. Uh, and let's not forget that during the whole this political crisis, Netanyahu's corruption trial is still going on in the Jerusalem uh, District Court. Uh, he's mm-hmm. facing some serious corruption charges, uh, and it was clear from day one, and he made it very clear from day one since the Attorney General press charges against him some four years ago, that he's going to fight for his life. And he is indeed fighting for his life. It's either stay out, he needs to stay out of jail card, uh, and that's one way to orchestrate it. What do you expect to happen over coming days? I, I don't imagine the scenes of protests and the arrests are, are going to quiet down anytime soon. They're not going to quite that any soon. And if uh, the events of the last 24 hours tells us anything, is that they're going to escalate. Uh, mm. People, mainly the younger generation, has lost hope and lost their faith in their uh, political system. Uh, they feel as if they are being oppressed by their own government and they are taking their rage and their frustration to the street. Uh, it's high summer in Israel. The temperature is very high. The humidity level is very high. But nonetheless, we saw tens of thousands of people demonstrating in midday against uh, uh, against this government. They have declared that if only the adoption of this uh, of this law will only incentivize them to take some more harsh measures, so we might might see more people at the street protesting in a less uh, uh, peaceful way than than what we saw in the in the last few weeks and months. There have been some threats by military reservists that they won't report for duty. Is this the first time something like this has happened in Israel's history? This is not the first time, not at all. Uh, um, It it happened during the Lebanon War in the early 80s. Uh, It happened shortly after the Six Days War in 1967. It happened during the Second Intifada. There was a wave of refusing to to join the reserve uh, force in 2002. But this time what we see here is the number game is completely different. Uh, those uh, organizations have declared that tens of thousands of reserve people uh, have already told their units that they're not, not going to join uh, if they're going to be called. 
uh, including members of the of the Air Force and some special operations, uh, which is a bit of an irony because these people are protesting in the name of democracy. But, mm. we, but we should pay attention to the fact that these people, again, are people who, high-ranking people, uh, and people who were conducting war crimes on daily basis during just service, and mm. now they are alarmed that their democracy is slipping, is slipping away. There have been some critics, some Israeli critics from abroad, particularly some vocal critics in the US, who have described this and Netanyahu's government, his cabinet, his shift to the ultra-right as the greatest threat to Israel since 1948, which is when it was founded. Do you agree with that? I think it's mainly about its Israeli branding. What we saw today is a parliament adopting act that limits the the power of the judiciary, and it exposed some of the internal conflicts or inherent conflicts in Israel on identities. So the projection and the image of Israel being this uh, wonderful, vibrating democracy uh, and flourishing on this image, which then contributes to legitimacy in, in the public opinion, uh, has now been undermined by exposing what some will argue uh, its real its real nature to being a more racist, less democratic, less liberal state than what it pretends to be. That was Dr. Noam Peleg, who's an Israeli and also a senior lecturer at the Faculty of Law at UNSW. So clearly this is by no means the end of this power battle. And it's important to remember that Benjamin Netanyahu, he's already the country's longest serving prime minister. He's at the helm for the sixth time. And Netanyahu's current cabinet is the most far right cabinet in Israel's history. And fears and critics internally, but also among Israeli and Jewish groups abroad, have really started to get more vocal about Netanyahu and his damaging impact on democracy. And of course, this hardline coalition hasn't finished yet. As you just heard, it also has its sights on things like changing how judges are appointed. And of course, when populist right-wing governments get more power, those with the least power in a democracy like LGBTQI plus communities, women, and of course, in this case, Palestinians, their lives get even harder and mistreatment worsens. Listener.